I'm going to look at my, okay, the light is still green, Shannon, so I'm hoping we're still good. Um, I'm having fun with my microphone, as you know. They, it doesn't like me lately, so it just randomly dies, so hopefully it'll stay with me. Uh, if you would, grab your Bibles, turn to the book of Genesis, or no, I'm sorry, Hebrews. We're going to start in Hebrews chapter 11. We will go to Genesis, but uh, we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 11 this morning. Hebrews chapter 11, and... Uh, I just want to say, I I love I love the hymns. Uh, you think just for a moment, just the chorus that we just sang a cappella, right? His name is wonderful, so very wonderful. No other can with him compare. You have a God who is so incomparable. There is no no nothing in this world, nothing in this universe. Nothing in your lifetime will ever compare to the greatness of the God that you get to serve. And so praise the Lord. I'm going to go ahead and read here in Hebrews chapter 11. And it is a, it is a privilege to be able anytime to preach. But uh, I, often, I often feel a little bit heavier of a weight when pastor's not feeling well and I get the sudden call in the morning and I'm like, Lord... Uh, let me do the right one in a short time and try and figure out exactly what I ought to say. And so, uh, if you would, pray with me that my mind will stay together. Uh, and so, if you notice that I'm, I'm kind of stuttering or moving in a different direction or I feel like I'm a little off kilter, that may be why I'm not as prepared as I like to be. Uh, but Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 5, we get a man that uh, we talked about a few weeks ago in Sunday school, if you were here. Uh, but verse number five, by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Uh, here in this short little two-verse note, the Lord has uh, stuck in there about a man by the name of Enoch uh, and really laid out his legacy. The legacy that Enoch has right here is this is his testimony, and ultimately his testimony is that he pleased God. Now, we talked a little bit about this in Sunday school a few weeks ago, but Enoch is truly the only type of you and I, if a trumpet were to sound today, and Jesus Christ is your Savior, Enoch is the only person in all of the Bible who will be taken off the face of the earth. He is the only one that was taken never to die. Never to die. Now, uh, some people try to put him back in in the tribulation. That's not going to happen. Moses and Elijah are the two witnesses. Enoch's not one of those two. If you want to know more about that, you can ask me later. Uh, but honestly, it can't be Enoch. Uh, but uh, you get into this right here. You know, Enoch comes off the face of the earth, and he's translated, he's taken up, and uh, he is the only one. If a trumpet were to sound today, and Jesus Christ would call you home, if you're saved in here and you're born again, and all your sins are forgiven forever like me, you know you're going to heaven, and a trumpet's going to sound, and you and I are going to get called off the face of this earth, and we never will taste death. And here's Enoch, and Enoch has this testimony, and the testimony that he has is, at the end of his life, the answer is that he pleased God. Now, at the end of everybody's life, there's a testimony that's given. Whether they think so or not, whether it's just uh, somebody getting up that wants to say nice things about him instead of what the truth is, but there is a true statement about everybody's life and the summation of their lives. Uh, David's summation shows up, right? Uh, David makes the statement about himself that God liked me above all my brethren, that he, he hath made me king over all of Israel. Uh, David's testimony is he's, he's a man after God's own heart. It's a pretty good testimony. Uh, the Lord says that he did right. He did everything right. You get to 1 Kings 15. He says, save concerning the matter of Uriah the Hittite. That's the only spot where David messed up, according to God. That's the only one he wants to bring up. That's the legacy David leaves. You know what's sad? Jacob. Everybody, well, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. That wasn't his legacy. You know what his legacy was when he stood in front of Pharaoh? His statement was, Few and evil have been the days of the years of my pilgrimage, and I have not attained unto the days of the years of my fathers. 
That's a sad one, isn't it? The end of his life, his answer is, few and evil have been the days of the years of my pilgrimage. Jacob, aren't you supposed to be Israel? Aren't you supposed to be blessed? Aren't you supposed to be? He looked over his life. He said, few and evil have been the days of the years of my pilgrimage. Why? Because he didn't walk with God the whole time. He was a supplanter and he was a deceiver and he knew it. He had to trick somebody to get the blessings that God would have given him if he would have just done it God's way. But you get to the end of Enoch's life and the statement is that he pleased God. The descriptor is that before his translation, before God took him, he had the testimony already. Amazingly enough, him being once again a type of us, uh, he is before the translation supposed to be pleasing God. That's what our, our legacy should be. A legacy where God could go, I'm pleased with what you've done. And that the statement, when you stand in front of him in, the, in a judgment seat, isn't it supposed to be well done, thou good and faithful servant? And here's Enoch. Easily the type Easily the only type. And you know what God did in, in Luke chapter 3? He made sure you knew he was part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. You ought to pay attention to who God put in there. In case you're wondering. There's some Gentiles that show up in there that you and I would go, what are they doing in there? The Lord says, I wanted them in there because they were special to me. He slid them in there. He made sure you understood. I had to tie it into Christmas right there. You see that? Yeah, that's the preacher tie-in. It's December, so I've got to tie something into Christmas. So Jesus' lineage, obviously, that's what we're going with. And so uh, Jesus Christ is, uh, is part, Enoch has a part in that lineage. And who Jesus Christ is. Amazing, the legacy that Enoch leaves. And we're going to look at this man Enoch this morning and what he leaves behind as a great testimony. And so let's have a word of prayer and we'll... Uh, Lord willing, get into the message. Father, we thank you once again for your goodness. We thank you that you are a God that is near, a God that wants to, Father, be close to us, a God that wants to be involved in our lives, a God that wants to have a personal relationship with everybody in this room as well as in this world if they would be willing. And Father, I have no idea who in this room is saved or lost, but you do. I have no idea who in this room has a good testimony and is pleasing you and who isn't. I have no idea who's doing what they ought to do and who's not. But Father, you know the hearts and you try the reins and you're the one who has it all under control. And so Father, I pray that this would be a great encouragement for us to finish well and that a trumpet would sound and when it does, we would hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And Father, the days of the years of our pilgrimage wouldn't be few and evil, but they would be blessed because of a great God and because we're willing to serve you. Lord, once again, we pray you would bless our day in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen. Amen. Here he is in, uh, in uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Here's Enoch. And uh, the first statement you find out about him is, by faith, Enoch was translated. Uh, by faith. Uh, Enoch was a man of faith. That's important, to be a man of faith. The Bible reminds us uh, that we are to walk by faith and not by sight. Uh, too many times, you know what the world does, they try to give you the wrong angle so that they can get you to see what they want you to see so that you go by what you see. That's what they want. Isn't that what the devil wanted with Eve? Right? Adam and Eve were there in the garden. Genesis chapter 3, Eve saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She didn't see it like that before verse 6. But the devil got her to see it the way he wanted her to see it. She stopped believing what God said and went by what she saw. That'll be a problem every time. The first thing that showed that he was a man of faith was that he believed God. He believed in God. Not only did he just believe in God, he believed that he is. Notice what he said about it in verse number 6. Without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must, number one, believe that he is. Well, that sets you apart from a whole lot of people on this planet now. If you don't believe God exists, I can't help you. And he won't help you. <laughs> How do you like that? You say, oh no, he's God, he's God. He... Nope, 
He is under no obligation. If you don't want to believe in him, what's he going to do for you? If you don't want to believe that God exists, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day on and day out of speech, and night on night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out throughout all the earth. Everybody hears it. Everybody knows that there is a God, if they'd be honest about it. Well, I don't want to believe in him because he you know, didn't save my 904-year-old grandmother who smoked 42 packs of cigarettes a day. Okay, he was merciful to your grandmother, but you can't figure that out. Well, you know, uh, I mean, uh, I was abused in my background, and I had troubles, and I had problems, and my life was not good. I'm sorry to hear that. I truly am. I deal with people like that. There are people around you in this room that have been through that. Horrible atrocities, things that I wouldn't wish anybody go through. Well, then I'm not going to believe in God because... How could God allow such things? Because God didn't take away somebody's free choices. Somebody did those things. You don't want God to take away all of your free choices and all the bad things you've done and how many ways you've hurt people on a minor level maybe. The lies that you've told and the things that you've done, God didn't stop you either. That doesn't mean He doesn't exist. That means that He is still gracious. He still allows mankind to operate and do what they do. But he will bring every work into judgment, whether it be good and whether it be right. Well, why doesn't God just... Because he's long-suffering. Because he is a merciful God. And we could go through and we could try to go through all the arguments of why God can't possibly exist because of... But you look around and you know what you find? That you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You can't, the, science cannot figure out how you and I are made, let alone how you stay together. They can't figure out what keeps atoms together. I can tell you. So that sounds very arrogant. I can tell you because the Bible says, and by him all things consist. They can't figure out how a universe operates. And God mapped it all out for you. They go, well, I, I don't know how all of this started, but I do know there was this big bang and these things. And Well, what made a bang? How do you get life from lifelessness? You don't. There is not one instance where you get life from non-life. There must be a creator. And if there is a creator, then he's God. And if he is God, then he must be holy and he must be just. And if he is holy and he is just, it is only righteous for him to have given you a book to go ahead and tell you how to reach him. Because he would want to tell you how to do that. Because if he is a God and he is a God of love, then he would want a relationship with the creation that he has made. Say so that doesn't even... What are you, using logic today? Yes, I know. That's a foreign concept to the world that we live in is logic. But logic dictates that you and I understand that there must be a God or there's nothing. And if there's nothing, you have no explanation for why anything is here. If there's nothing, you can't figure out how everything got here. Because for it to happen on accident is astronomically impossible. There is no course of action that that could have possibly happened. There is no way any of those things could happen. I have had a lot of fun with evolutionists and things, and you end up dealing with them eventually. You realize that oxygen is not one of the original building blocks that they say is here? It's not part of the ooze that they talk about. It's not part of... It's nothing. It does, that block wasn't in existence, according to them. So I am very simple about my answer to them. If that is not part of that, how do you and I survive? 
where do you get where do you get carbon dioxide for a plant that came out of the ooze to go ahead where do you get a carbon dioxide if you don't have oxide <laughs> for it to produce O2 and take the carbon back out and then where do you get O3 to make your ozone layer so that you and I don't burn off the planet where do you get those things why isn't there an ozone layer on every other planet why is the earth so special if there was not a creator who made it now either there is a God or there isn't a God and if you don't want to believe there's a God I can't really do much for you because the Bible starts off with in the beginning God say well I'm just not going to believe in him well then I can't do anything for you and he doesn't have to do anything for you you're lucky you're still breathing his free air Because when he feels like it, you no longer consist. And here he is. And you say, well, what is it? Uh, he's a man of faith. Enoch goes, I, I believe there's a God. And I believe he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That's part two of verse number six. Uh, you must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God rewards those who want to know who he is. You say, what does he reward them with? Well, one thing he rewards them with is the fact that he would actually have a conversation with them. You and I do not deserve to have an audience with the creator of the universe. We don't deserve to be able to step in front of him and ask him anything. But instead, you know what he says? I'm holy and you're not. I'm going to make a way so you and I can have a conversation. His statement is, come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they should be white as snow. And though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. He goes, you know what I'll do? I'll exchange your sinfulness for righteousness. I'll wash you of all of your sins. I'll make it so that an unholy creature can be in the presence of a holy God for all of eternity. You talk about a reward. You know what he did for Enoch? He goes, uh, you come up here. I'll make it so you can live with me. That's what he wants to do for every man, woman, and child on the planet. Make it so that they can live with him for all of eternity. You talk about a reward, that's a pretty good reward. The contrast is a lake of fire for all of eternity. Now, religion today and uh, people who want to go ahead and soften it up for you, they tell you, well, you know, it's just separation from God. If you're in here without Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want you to know something right now. You are already separated from God. That's the condition you're already in. You don't have a relationship with God. God is not involved. He wants to be, which is why you're here. He's here. You're here so that you can hear that Jesus wants to have you in a relationship with Him. He wants to become your Savior and not just the Savior, He wants to become uh, your friend. He wants to become your Lord. But He also wants to become your co-laborer. He wants to become your comforter. He wants to become your strength and weakness. He wants to become the grace in all of your trials. He wants to become your peace that passeth all understanding. He wants to go ahead and make it so that you have forgiveness forever. With a God that deservedly could put you in a lake of fire for all of eternity. I think that's a pretty good reward. Forgiveness of sins. So what was he willing to believe? He was willing to believe that what God said. That God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek. I believe God will do what he promised he would do. Well, you've got a book. And in that book are great exceeding precious promises that he gave to us. And over and over again, you know what God's doing? He's fulfilling all of His promises. He promised a Savior would come into the world, and so He sent His Son, Jesus Christ. And that beautiful name comes down, and Jesus shows up. The Son of God shows up to give His life a ransom for many and pay the debt of the sins of the whole world and make it so mankind could have salvation forever, forgiveness forever, heaven forever. That's a pretty good deal. If mankind would take it, they can have it. 
He makes that real clear. Whosoever will, let him come. Take a drink of the water of life freely. He that is a thirst, let him come. Whoever wants it, let him come. There's salvation offered over and over. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Mankind is condemned not because God is not merciful. Mankind is condemned because they reject the offering of Jesus Christ and they refuse to accept the greatness of the payment that God made for their sins. They refuse to come to God on His terms. God's a reasonable God. His statement is, come, let us reason together. You're the one who's the sinner. You're the one who's failed. I'm the one who's made a way. You come my way, I'll take care of it. You don't want to come my way? I don't have to do anything. It's His means of salvation. He gave one way. It's Jesus Christ alone. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Savior. Enoch was a man of faith. He believed, not just believed in God. Well, you know, God is a God. And there's a God. No, he believed what God said. And for you and I today, we have to believe what God said. And God said that he would save if you would call upon Jesus Christ alone. If you're going to be a man of faith in this life right here, right now, you better trust Jesus Christ alone to wash you of all of your sins and to forgive you. There is no other way. And if you're going to be someone of faith, if you're going to be a man or a woman of faith, you know what you'll need? You'll need Jesus Christ and believe what God said. Now, I'm not going to take any more time on that, but the truth is that uh, at the end of the service, we'll give an invitation. And we'll invite you to come. And if you don't know that you're going to heaven for all of eternity, uh, it's not going to be on my opinions. It's not going to be my thoughts. It's not going to be some, some great swelling argument that I'm going to make. Instead, you know what it'll be? It'll be, uh, okay, well, the Bible says this. And we'll pull out a Bible, and we'll turn the pages, and we'll show you what God says so that you can know. Because He says you can know that you have eternal life. You can know. The world says you can't know. Who could know that? Religion says you can't know until the end. God says you can know today. If you want it, you can know. If you don't want it, you can keep walking. That's fine, you can keep walking. But know this, you won't, have a, you won't have a good legacy. Your legacy will end in a lake of fire. And the choice would have been yours. Turn just a few books to your right over to the book of Jude. If you hit Revelation, you've gone just a little bit too far. Turn back a page and you'll be in Jude. Only one little chapter in Jude. The book of Jude. Oddly enough, this man shows up again in the book of Jude. In verse number 14, Jude, verse number 14, he says this, And Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all, and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Whew. Say, what was he? Uh, he's a preacher of righteousness, he's called. Back there in Genesis, we'll, we'll get there here in a moment, but uh, back there in Genesis chapter 5, he was a preacher of righteousness. You want to leave a good legacy? You want that legacy of that he pleased God? He had this testimony that he pleased God. Well, he was a man of faith, but he was a preacher of righteousness. What is right and what is wrong? We live, and I've already talked about it this morning, I'm not going to belabor this, but we live in a society today that has no idea what is right and what is wrong. They have no clue. And the world keeps pumping them full of the idea that whatever you want to think and whatever you want to say and whatever you want to do must be right because you've thought of it. And it's foolishness. 
It's absolute foolishness. And with no consequences for their actions, you know what you get? You get foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him, and there is no correction. And you leave, you leave wild things and wild thoughts and wild actions, and you know what it does? It breeds anarchy. Lawlessness. It leads to Genesis chapter 6 where man does right in their own eyes. And that's all it is. It's mankind thinking they've got it all under control. And the day and the age that you and I are living in is an age that needs some people to stand up and say what is right and what is wrong. And not just the preachers in the pulpits, although, boy, that has gotten rare as well. But it's you that need to say it. It's Christians that need to stand and make a stand. Well, they're not going to like me and I'm going to lose friends. They're friends you don't need. There are people in your life you don't need because, guess what? They don't want to stand in the right spot. And we have a world today that has nobody that's willing to stand there and go, no, this isn't right. And they think the way they want to think and they do what they want to do and nobody restrains them and nobody tries to slow them down and God's standing there going, uh, I'm coming back real soon. Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. Now that's a millennial reign and a millennial reference and I'm not going to get into that with the differences. But the truth is, you and I have a message of Jesus is coming. The time is short, Jesus is coming. There isn't a whole lot of time, and if you want to be on the right side of what is happening, you better join up with Jesus. You better become a man of faith and trust Jesus Christ as your Savior and believe Him. And you know what you and I are supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be talking about Jesus is coming, and there's judgment coming on sin. He's going to judge all their ungodly deeds that ungodly sinners have ungodly committed. And all their hard speeches that ungodly sinners have spoken. That sounds pretty harsh. Only to a world that's become wimpy. Since when, since when is telling the truth violent? That's what the world wants you to believe. Well, you don't tell me what I want to hear. So that's violence. You're terrible act against me that's insanity is what that is that's that's absolutely insane the world can't figure well why do you got to be so mean and blunt about things because nobody else wants to be blunt about it well all right i'm gonna, i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna do it this way Told you I'm not quite as prepared as I normally am, all right? Uh, so, ladies, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use you as a wonderful, a wonderful help right here. Uh, help me out on this. I'm sure, I'm sure you can relate. How many of you have subtly hinted that your husband should do something? And how many times has that worked? All right. Is it more effective to bluntly tell them exactly what you wanted done so that they actually do it? You know what the world needs? People to quit being so subtle about what really needs to be the truth. Well, I'm going to subtly influence. You're subtly doing nothing. That's what you're doing. You're accomplishing zero goals. You're accomplishing zero effect because I'm going to let my life speak for itself. Was Enoch a great man? Absolutely. He already had the testimony that he pleased God. You know what part of his testimony was? That he didn't sit in silence. He was a preacher of righteousness. You say, what, what, what is he? He's a man who would stand in an evil day and tell the truth regardless. Well, you know, the consequences... Okay. You can go ahead and worry about the consequences, but you're forgetting one thing. You have a God who will deal with the consequences. If you're a man of faith, you can trust that God will take care of the consequences. Whether you understand what they will be or not, God's going to have to deal with the consequences. 
You do right because God told you to do right. Because He's the one ultimately responsible. Joseph, well, it's not fair. I'm in prison. I didn't do anything wrong. That's okay. I'll make you second only to Pharaoh. Just give me a minute. You don't think Joseph, greatest type of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, you don't think Joseph was just doing right and that he didn't have some thoughts of, man, what in the world did I get myself into? The Lord just says, don't worry, I'll take care of it. I always take care of it. Say, well, there may come a time when, uh, you know, we can't say those kind of things. I've got friends around the world. And they're in countries that if they were preaching the way I was preaching this morning, somebody would be in the back doors pretty quick. And they'd be going to a prison cell. And many of my friends still do. They can't broadcast like we broadcast. They can't put, and there may come a day when you and I don't, don't get to do any of that. Why? Because the world's not going to take it. And I'm going to get hauled off to jail immediately upon the spot. You say, would you go? It is what it is. Lord, give me the grace and give me the strength and give me the courage to keep doing it. Why do you think Paul always asks for boldness? That he may boldly say that utterance would be given to him. Over and over again, Paul asked for courage and strength and boldness to say what God needed him to say in a day when it was not going to be well received. You know what you need? You need boldness and courage and strength to say what needs to be said regardless of what a world wants to say. Look what he says right after this. I'm going to skip a few verses. Jump down to verse number 20 here in this chapter. Here in the book of Jude. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. Look at that. Building on your faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Amazingly enough, he talks about witnessing right after Enoch gets done preaching. Hey, you know what we need? We need some folks that will be a witness. That'll be a preacher of righteousness. Tell them what righteousness is. Tell them they're a sinner. Tell them they need a Savior. Tell them that without Jesus Christ as their Savior, there is a condemnation for all of eternity in a lake of fire, and they need a Savior to get them out of it. And Jesus Christ is the only Savior. Beside Him, there is none else. And if they ask Him to, He'd save them to the uttermost. They need a preacher of righteousness. And if you're going to be living a legacy, having a legacy like Enoch that pleased God, you're going to need to be someone who will proclaim righteousness. Proclaim a Savior has come. Proclaim a lost world needs a Savior. And that He doesn't just let everybody in like the world wants them to think. Well, God is love, and so He's just going to let us all in. No, then you're stuck with this. How about you? I don't want this to be my eternity. This world with all this wickedness and just let everybody in and isn't it amazing they always just want to let everybody in? Like there's no exclusivity to anything? Oh, we just got to welcome everybody. No, you don't. No, you don't. Say, why? The Lord is very particular about who He lets in. They're only the ones who loved His Son enough to trust Him. Because otherwise you end up like the rest of the world. You know why America has been so great because it didn't become like the rest of the world. That's part of what kept America great. We were our own nation with our own values that were based upon Christian principles. Whether or not you believe Christian nation or not, I don't care. Christian principles. You can find them. You sit there, you sit there in where the... Uh, where our Senate seat, United States in Washington, you sit there, you're in the room. I've been in the room. I've been in the room. The speaker's standing in the front. He's looking straight to the back. There's these heads, the busts of all the uh, great lawgivers throughout the day. 
and they're all looking toward the back of the room. Not one of them's looking at the speaker, except for the one that's right square in the middle, right above the doorway. You've seen the room. When the President of the United States come in, comes in and walks in to give his State of the Union address, walks right in those back doors, right above those doors, is Moses. Moses is right there, and he's looking squarely at the man behind the podium. Oh, but we're not a Christian nation. They were all looking at the man who gave who held the Ten Commandments in his hands and talked with God and got the law from him. The one who came down from the mount whose face shone, and they had to cover it with a veil because nobody could look at him because he spent so much time with God. So what was his nation founded on? Not what the rest of the world was founded on. Say, what's wrong? People have stopped proclaiming righteousness. And a lost world does what it does. You walk into that room, they don't tell you who that is. They ignore it. I mentioned in Sunday school, they want to eliminate history. And they'd gladly eliminate the history of the Bible if they could. Look back at Genesis chapter 5. I'm trying not to get mad. It's not working real well, but I'm trying not to get mad. It's hard to preach on righteousness when you're living in a world of unrighteousness. It's hard, it's hard to talk about it until you start talking about it. If you got anything in you at all, you're going, this world is so messed up. You talk about calling good evil and evil good and not having any idea of what's right and what's wrong and what's... They have no clue anymore. You get to Genesis chapter 5, and we'll jump on down to verse, oh, number 21. Genesis 5, 21, And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years and begat sons and daughters. All the days of Enoch, and all the days of Enoch were three hundred sixty and five years, and Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. That is the statement that God makes of Enoch here in Genesis chapter 5. And his statement about him was that he walked with God. You know what he was? He was a faithful man. He was a man of faith. He was a preacher of righteousness. But he was a faithful man. Consistent walk with God. 365 years he walked with God. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. You realize that Enoch's walk was in a day that was wicked just like any other day. He was particularly set apart as one that walked with God. In fact, he must have been so special that God took him as opposed to anybody else. You ought to pay attention to who God chooses. You ought to pay attention to that throughout the Bible. In, in a moment, you know, next chapter, he chooses Noah. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Why did he choose Noah? A little while later, you get to chapter 12, and he chooses Abram. Why does he choose Abram? He passes it on to Isaac, not to Ishmael. He passes it on to Jacob and not Esau. Oh, but God's got to include everybody. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. He chose one nation on the planet from one guy on the planet. And one son from that guy. And one son from that guy. And then to the 12 patriarchs from that guy. And that was where he made his nation. And that's the one he chose out of everybody on the planet. But don't worry, God's not exclusive. He's not picky. He's absolutely picky. You realize God looked out over all of the world. And when the fullness of time was come, he chose Mary to be the mother of his son, Jesus. 
Why did he choose Mary? There's reasons. You've got to figure it out. Why? Because it'll tell you who God will choose. It'll tell you why God chooses who he chooses. You know why he chose Enoch? Because he pleased him. Because he was a faithful man. You know what he could count on? He could count on Enoch being right where he left him for the day. And they'd wake up the next morning and Enoch would walk with him. They'd go to bed that night and the Lord would leave them to rest. And they'd wake up the next morning and Enoch would be right there waiting. And he'd walk with him again. And he'd walk with him again. And he'd walk with him again. And you know what he got? God got something that he didn't have since Genesis chapter 3. When he wanted to walk with man in the cool of the day. When he wanted to walk with Adam and Adam wasn't there. And he looked around and he said, Adam, where art thou? Adam, I thought we were always walking together, Adam. Where'd you go? You know, Christian, you and I have got a lot of things that he tells us we should walk in. You get to the New Testament, I'm going to hit, I don't know how many of these. I'm just going to rip these off. So you might want to just write references down or whatever you do, all right? So I'm not spending any time on any of these. But you and I are commanded to walk a certain way in this world. And I'm just going to go in order. So of the ones I grabbed, there's probably more than this. Romans chapter 6 and verse 4, he tells us to walk in newness of life. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, walk after the Spirit. Romans chapter 13 and verse 13, we ought to walk honestly. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, he tells us to walk by faith. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, that we should walk in good works. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1, that we walk worthy of the name of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17, that we are to walk not as other Gentiles walk. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2, walk in love. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8, walk as children of light. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15, see then that you walk circumspectly. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6, we are to walk in Christ. Colossians 4 and verse 5, walk in wisdom. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7, walk in the light. 2 John, verse number 4, walk in truth. 2 John, verse number 6, walk after His commandments. You and I have a tall order to walk after if you want to walk with God. Say, is it worth it? Ask Enoch if it's worth it. It's worth it. You ever notice the times when you're not walking with Him? Christian, you notice the times when you and him are not on the same page and you're not walking with him and you're not talking with him and things aren't going right and you know it. Say, what's the problem? I'm the problem. He's walking into the garden going, Caleb, where art thou? It's not a question of where he went. It's a question of where I went. It's not a question of, hey, uh, you know, God, really, you, you left me high and dry. He said, no, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Why are you walking away from me? You're walking where I don't walk. I told you where to walk. You're just not walking where I walk. Because one day, you know what we're going to get? We're going to get a trumpet that will sound. And you and I are going to get to walk with him for all of eternity. But this life will be a whole lot better if we learn to walk with Him every day. Just walk with Him every day. Spend that time in prayer. Spend that time in your Bible. Spend that time with Him. Try and know what He wants you to do. Try and walk in His precepts and going along with His way. And yeah, we mess it up. And yeah, we fail. And a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. We can go, hey, I'm not walking in the light. I walked in darkness for a moment. So instead, you know what I'll do? I'll ask the Lord to forgive me. I'll go ahead and get back in fellowship as quick as I can. Because I'd hate to not be walking with Him. It is glory just to walk with Him whose blood has ransomed me, is rapture for my soul each day. 
It is joy divine to feel him near where my path may be. Bless the Lord, it's glory all the way. Turn over to the book of Proverbs, and I will end. Coming right down to it, Proverbs chapter 20. Say, I'd love a legacy like Enoch. But is it really worth it? I mean, is it really worth it to sacrifice being a preacher of righteousness and telling the world that they're wrong and telling my friends that they need a Savior and telling my family they need a Savior and telling my boss he needs a Savior and telling my coworkers they need a Savior and telling everybody around me that if without Jesus, is it worth it? Is it worth it to walk away from the rest of everybody else and stay close to the God of the universe? Well, He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Look at Proverbs chapter 20. In verse number 6, most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. Not really hard to find somebody who proclaims their own goodness. They're everywhere. Don't worry, they'll tell you how great they are. But a faithful man, you mean somebody who'll get up and walk with the Lord every day? Yeah, a faithful man who can find. The Lord looks around for a faithful man, you know what he's going? I just want to find somebody I can walk with. I just want to find somebody I can spend all of my days with. I just want somebody that when they go about their day, they're always thinking with me. You know, Brother, uh, Brother Thren was, was in, him and a few of the daughters were in. They, they kind of popped in. They stayed at our house for a couple of days and headed on their way the rest of the way over to Buffalo and area and uh, he stayed in and he and I just got to hang out and guys will understand this I don't know if ladies will get this all right I just I don't know if you'll get this but he and I are sitting there and uh, we didn't have to talk at all just sitting there right gentlemen just sitting there no conversation just sitting there and then all of a sudden we'd have, we'd have something we wanted to talk about, so we just started talking about something. And then the conversation would go down, and we'd go back to talking about nothing because we just didn't talk. Just sitting there. Just relaxed. And it was great. It was great fellowship. You know what we were doing? Walking together. You know what the Lord wants? He doesn't need you to be talking to him constantly to make him feel like you know he's there. He just wants you to be there. He may not talk all the time, and you may not talk all the time, but you always know he's there. And if you wanted to talk to him, you get to talk to him. And if he wants to talk to you, you're available for him to talk to and let you know what you need to do. Let you know what you need to change. See, that's the way guys talk, all right? That's the way we hang out. We don't have to talk all the time. There can be silence. Some people are really uncomfortable with silences. I don't know why, but they are. They don't like it. The Lord, he's okay with sitting there silent for a minute, just as long as he's walking with you. Notice what he says in verse number 7. Most people stop with verse number 6. Look at verse number 7. The just man. Walketh in his integrity. Doesn't that, sound, doesn't that sound like Enoch right there? Look at the results. His children are blessed after him. For a moment, I want you to think, who is the son? Who is the son of Enoch? Methuselah. Everybody knows who that is because he's the one who's lived the longest on the earth. His son is Lamech. Lamech is the father of Noah. Right? You know why he called him Noah? Because he saw the end coming and that Noah was the hope. Say, what is it? 
what are you what are you getting at his children are blessed after him you realize if you go ahead you can check out the ages Methuselah and Lamech both are not around when a flood happens they both die before the flood it's handed to Noah and Noah also a preacher of righteousness is used to provide salvation for an entire world if they would have wanted it his children are blessed after him prove true for Enoch Enoch's legacy is that he is the reason he is he is the effect the effect his life had was that Noah would be a preacher of righteousness in the last day before a major flood. Say, what are we? We're the final influence in the last day before a trumpet sounds and we go home. And soon after, a great destruction will happen, and I won't get into all that. But you realize... If you walk with God, it can have a great impact on your children. In a world that is ready to swallow them up. You know what the Lord would love? He would love to have plenty of men and women who would stand in an evil day and have a legacy like Enoch's. That before their translation, before God called them home, they had this testimony that they pleased God. Let's go ahead and stand. Brother Andrew is going to come and we're going to sing a closing hymn. Maybe today you're in here and you don't have Jesus Christ as your Savior. I don't know who's saved and who's lost in this room. That's between you and God Almighty. You know if you've asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior, you know if He's washed you of all your sins. And if you haven't, we're going to start singing here in a moment, and you can come, and you'll let us open up a Bible and show you from the Bible how God can save you and wash you of all of your sins and take you to heaven for all of eternity. You can start walking with God and have a legacy like Enoch. You're saved in here this morning. Some are already coming. We don't have a whole lot of time left. Maybe we do and I'm totally wrong, but I just don't see us having a ton of time left. The Lord needs some preachers of righteousness. He needs some people who will stand and be faithful and finish their course with joy. Finish the course He gave them, regardless of the bumps and the bruises and the things they may take on. Would to God we stand in an evil day and leave a great legacy like Enoch left. That when we leave, the world will look at us and say, I didn't like him much. But if his God were real, he sure pleased him. What will it be this morning? Father, we thank you. We thank you for being so great to us. And I pray you just work in hearts, help us to have the courage we need in Jesus' name. Amen.